Kathy Campbell. And I'm Julia Scott. And there are good things. Every week we share our tiny joys, something good in the news, and a general good thing that will hopefully make your day a little better. What's your tiny joy this week? My tiny joy is extremely tiny in the amazing shower that I took this morning. Uh, I it had been far too long since I had showered. Or only about four days. It's not close to my record, but enough to where <laughs> I was like, okay, this is affecting my mental health, my everything. And so I woke up and I took a shower this morning and it was really refreshing. And it was, it's, sometimes it's nice to do something very basic mm-hmm. that can just kind of refresh and remind you on, oh, this is what it is like to feel good. <laughs> yeah. And showers can be really magical. Like, you know, that I've been traveling for a long time today, shower. Or the I've been sick for a couple of days shower mm-hmm. and you suddenly feel human again. Mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. not to be underestimated. No, no. And uh, so, yeah, that was my tiny joy. What about yours, Julia? What was yours? Uh, we took a little walk around our backyard today and our strawberries and raspberries and blueberries have survived the winter. Yay! <laughs> That's so exciting. So there's tons of stuff blooming like there's tulips. And our lilacs are budding and like just, you know, all this stuff. It's like life. Uh, But also last summer I transplanted um, a bunch of strawberries from another place where I planted them a couple of years ago and they survived that and are still like looking good. The raspberries I planted a couple of years ago, uh, but they, you know, take a long time to start giving fruit or giving berries, I guess. Uh, The blueberries I planted last year. So like, you know, it's there's always a little bit of a of an unknown like are they gonna survive the planting and then are they gonna survive the winter and also this year we've had a sort of back and forth in the temperature which sometimes can just like shock plants into not not being happy so it's just nice like we'll get some berries and even if we don't get that much this year it's just nice that they're there and that you know we have I haven't been able to plant much because I've been um so tired for like most of the like seedling and planting part of this this spring but it's just nice to see how you know time and life go on <laughs> yeah i am very much a green not a green thumb i almost said i was a green thumb which is definitely not like the i am a black thumb i can kill <laughs> fake plants um but every year i try <laughs> And I have a flower on one of my tomato plants this year so far, and I'm very excited um, because it means maybe I'll get more than my two and a half tomatoes that I got last year out of five plants. So we'll see. So I'm, I'm pulling all of the good green thumb luck from you. Yeah, I'll I'll share. I feel like (laughs) it'll, it'll only expand and multiply from being shared. Yes, yes, just like love. (laughs) Tell me a good thing in the news. Yeah, so we're getting into graduation season in the United States, um, which I'm guessing is similar in other countries, but it's one of those things that you don't think about until you think about it, and so I'm not sure. So I'm going to preface it with it's graduation season in the United States. Um, My state is actually later in the year, but... Throughout all of the news, all sorts of um, information is going out there because of this 
fun time that we are in, and I use fun very loosely, uh, <laughs> the ways to celebrate graduates from high school uh, are becoming more and more um, inventive. <laughs> inventive is the perfect word. Yes, inventive. Um, and it's also passed on to college graduations. And I saw this on Twitter. Um, someone's dad had put out a billboard for them to, they received their doctorate in education and they made a billboard with their oh, yeah, face. yeah, I saw that. On the, yeah, and I was just like, that is so amazing and inventive. And I'm sure it's happened before. You know that like, yeah, people have bought out billboards before, but there, there's something extra special about it. In, in this world that we're living in, that somebody took the time and effort and energy and funds to mm -hmm. do this digital billboard. Now, granted, if they had done like a paper billboard and like someone painted, or I guess a, they print now, don't they? I don't know how these things work, <laughs> but it's very cool. And it's just, it. so love out there to anyone that has anyone graduating uh, in this season um, and, and finding a way to make it special. It's like birthdays, but on an, more epic scale. That's nice. <laughs> All right, Julia, what's your good thing for us today? My good thing uh, is Midsummer, uh, but not the creepy movie. I'm taking back the word. <laughs> um, because uh, I've been starting, I've been trying to sort of look forward to things. What most doctors are saying is that at this point, after nine weeks, two months, I should not be contagious. So I can like distance wave at people and like, you know, hang out with friends at, in a safe way uh, because I've tried to be, you know, super careful and, and super like cautious. Um, but also hopefully like in a month and a half, I will not still have a fever. Uh, so because a friend was like, hey, I looked it up and, you you know, you shouldn't be contagious. So maybe we can like hang out soon and like see each other, you know, from six feet apart. So I started thinking about like the stuff that I want to do with friends. And Midsummer, like S-U-M-M-E-R uh, in English, but Midsummer, like the movie is the Swedish okay. word for it, uh, okay. is a very, very important holiday in Sweden. So that that movie was hilarious just to like see the posters of for Swedes. So it is not like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a holiday that is um, celebrated around the equinox, meaning like when the the longest day of the year, basically, like when you're at the midpoint of the solar so a year. midsummer's night yeah. dream? Exactly. Maybe? Okay. Uh, so we actually, uh, in Sweden, we generally tend to celebrate the eve of things, uh, like Christmas Eve and Easter Eve rather than Christmas Day. And in the same way, we celebrate Midsummer Night's Eve. So like technically okay. the day before Midsummer's Day. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's a very big thing primarily in like the north of Europe and the Nordics and Scandinavia. And we generally celebrate on the Friday that falls between the 19th or 25th of June. It's a day that... You know, uh, pretty much everyone gets off from work. And the in the Christian church, the 24th of June is celebrated as the birth of John the Baptist, which is apparently six months before Jesus. I don't know. But it's like okay. sometimes associated with him as well. So in Finland and in some places, they're sometimes called things that sort of associate to John the Baptist. Not in Sweden. 
for some reason. I have no idea. Apparently, in some parts of the world, English-speaking parts of the world, it's called St. John's Day. And I'm assuming that they call it St. John's Day, because why not? Okay. Uh, and so what we do to celebrate is that, you know, people meet up, uh, sometimes family, sometimes groups of friends, and we eat pickled herring. I don't because I think it's gross, uh, but <laughs> uh, but it's tradition. You eat tons of potatoes and pickled herring, and you drink schnapps and sing rowdier and rowdier songs about weird things, and <laughs> you decorate a maypole with tons of flowers on it, and it has two. It's like a big cross with two giant rings on it, uh, and we dance around it and we sing songs about little frogs and little piggies. And just just weird, all these fun traditions. And uh, there's a lot of talk about how it's originally a heathen holiday, because most things are, you know, like pre-Christian holidays that have then sort of been uh, supplanted with Christian holidays. Stolen. But there are, yeah, but there actually, stolen. there isn't a lot of things known if it actually was celebrated, like pre-Christian. It... It makes sense that it would, because like the equinox, it's a thing, you know, we have basically don't really get much of a night. We don't get much darkness in the summer, but because we get so much darkness for large parts of the year, celebrating the sun would be very important. And in general, worshiping the sun and, and seeing it as something very important was a given in many cultures uh, and even more so if it's really, really, really cold. Right. Uh, for parts of the year. But we know that, you know, we've been doing this for at least 1,500 years, probably 2,000 or more up here. Uh, but the 300s were, was when the church started celebrating. And in the 1300s, there were nuns in a cloister not that far from where I live in Stockholm that uh, applied for a permit to have these sort of folksy parties around midsummer, probably to... Uh, calm down all the really messy things that people were doing to celebrate, including apparently dancing on graveyards, uh, lewd songs, and stealing uh, sacred pictures and imagery. Hmm. Uh, (laughs) And like they tried to ban it and they tried to make it more about John the Baptist, but it didn't work that well. And there are a lot of traditions, which also make sense with the heathen thing, about this being a time of sort of fertility. Uh, And there's a tradition in most parts of the country where you're supposed to pick seven kinds of flowers, seven different kinds of flowers. Uh, and if you can do that while being quiet and then being quiet until you go to bed and you put them under your pillow, you're going to dream about the man you're going to marry. Okay. Uh, in some cases you have to climb over seven, um, seven fences and pick seven flowers all while being quiet and then going to bed. There's something called dream pancake where you make super salty pancake and eat it, and then the person that you dream brings you water is the person you're supposed to marry. <laughs> so there's, you know, all this stuff with these long nights and these celebrations that I'm sure that a lot of babies were born, you know, nine or ten months later. Right. But and another very important tradition in Sweden is that people want to um, want to eat this meal together outside. So the tradition is that you bring all the tables and all the food outside and then it starts raining. So you have to carry them inside and then it stops raining and people are like, well, now we can eat outside. So you carry them outside and then it starts raining. So you carry them inside, which is like just part of the tradition. Everyone just accepts that. Uh, I have celebrated the past few summers on uh, with some friends at 
my house and we have a covered porch so we can sit there and like have Ooh, sort of the outside because it's like classed in so we're like we're outside sort of but we're not getting rained on it almost always rains <laughs> um but it's just it's a very nice thing it's kind of magical i'm sure it's very very weird if you're like coming to visit sweden and you're like i have no idea what's going on they're trying to explain to me about jumping and dancing and pretending to be little frogs and making froggy noises. But it's just a really, really nice way to come together. A lot of people will dress up in like traditional uh, folk costumes as well, because like that's when you wear that kind of, of traditional dress. There, There's something to be said about humans when we find something that we get to celebrate together and the guidelines and the rules that come into play so your traditional costume hopping around pretending to be a frog eating your food outside like all of these traditions are traditions for a reason they may have started from one thing or another but as a community you decide okay this is what we're gonna do and whether you decide that you don't want to eat the pickled herring or you do like that's <laughs> not as big of a a thing as the fact that oh pickled herring is normally eaten at this time like these traditions that come into play and how it gets written into the code of this celebration is so entertaining to me and so interesting that a stranger coming in would say, oh, well, this looks like May Day, like, mm -hmm. except for X, Y, and Z. And and we're just, like, pulling all of these things out of our histories and our, you know, storytelling time and what other people say. It's so interesting to learn all of this about. Like, and it's, it's, it it's, it is also pretty accessible because, like, anyone can join in and anyone can wear a flower crown. And it's one of those things you can wear a flower crown at any time in the summer, like for graduation or for a party. But they're just very much part of that. Like, you know, everything is blossoming and everything is happy and uh, nobody gets sacrificed. Uh, <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, that you know of, that you're aware that I, of. That I know of, <laughs> yeah. that I'm aware of. But I think uh, a big part of Midsummer is also that it's not specifically necessarily a family holiday. Like you can maybe like go to a public park and dance around a maypole with like your family and then go celebrate with your friends and like eat with them. Or you can just celebrate with your friends. Like for Christmas, that is another big important holiday, but it's very much about family for most right. people. Whereas here, I think most people don't necessarily feel that same push. If I'm going to say anything negative about it is that for a lot of people, it can sort of almost get the same kind of feel that New Year's does sometimes. Like it's really important mm, what your plans are. expectations of it. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's supposed to be this magical thing, which is why it's nice to celebrate with just a few people who are like, yes, let's eat yummy food. And yeah. uh, then maybe like have a weird uh, trivia quiz, just the five of us. It sounds very similar to like Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, I see in what that you mean. Yeah. If you don't want to spend it with family, that's fine. Like, Friendsgiving is a big, mm -hmm. like, has become, you know, a big staple. And a lot of people will do both, both a friends or a family. But, like, the expectation is what you make of it. Um, so that there's these traditional things, but that it's it's okay if you don't do the traditional things. Like, you're still, it's still part of the celebration. Mm -hmm. Okay, Julia, what's a news thing that happened this week? 
I didn't realize it until just now, but both my joy and my news thing are about plants. Ooh. <laughs> uh, in the UK and France, uh, people have started writing the names of plants in chalk on the sidewalks with like little arrows. Uh, it started in France and it's been sort of picked up and turned into a kind of campaign in London and then around the UK called More Than Weeds. Because um, the whole thing is that all these plants that we just see as, you know, weeds and annoying or just green things like you don't even know what they are. They are all plants and they have an interesting history. Uh, there's one video viewed 7 million times uh, from a French website where Boris Presek, uh, who's a botanist at the Toulouse Museum of Natural History, uh, he walks around a city and chalks them names of all these plants that he finds on sidewalks and walls to uh, raise awareness of the diversity and richness of, I love this quote, plant citizens in the heart of the southern French city. Um <laughs> And, you know, a lot of places it's technically not legal to even use chalk on public blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't really seem like anyone minds. It seems to make a lot of people happy. You see a lot of people like tweeting and Instagramming, just like seeing just, you know, these names like this is a common ragweed. And this is, I don't know, plant names. Clearly, I need to, you know, walk around my own city. But I think it's also fun because like the concept of weeds is mostly a construct. Like we have these ideas of either pretty plants or plants that will behave and stay where we put them. And it's not even like plants that we can eat or not, because there are a lot of plants that we consider weeds and just toss away that are actually, um, you know, nutritious, uh, that you can either make just like yummy things from or really healthy things from that can be put in food. We just don't know what because we've been taught to see them uh, as weeds. As sometimes bad. Yeah. And sometimes they do really good things for sort of the, the environment around them. I recently learned that some people will say that, like, you shouldn't have clover in a grass lawn, that it, like, doesn't look good, I guess. And apparently it's because, I'm not going to say brand name, but a weed killer company. Uh, A long time ago, they developed a weed killer that killed clover but left grass. So they, like, sort of launched this idea of you shouldn't have clover in your lawn and it's basically the same with moss like moss is good it doesn't need as I much tending moss. as grass on your lawn it's going to be greener for longer I actually when we just moved into our house we went to there was sort of our, our local uh, gardeners association had this open lecture uh, and afterwards I went up to the guy and I was like hi this is maybe a really stupid question but like is moss in lawns bad or is that just like and an old man with nail scissors thing. And he was like, no, it's there's it's not bad at all. But, we, you know, we have this idea of lush green, like, golf course lawns and that are right. only grass. Anyway, so we, you know, we don't know much about the plants around us or most of us don't. So I thought that was a really cool, fun thing. And I think, you know, right now when you're taking walks, uh, if you live in a city, it might be fun to be made aware of those things. And um, if you, Kathy, know anyone in in your city who is good at plants, you can uh, tell them about this thing. Yeah, I'm super excited to sound super knowledgeable about something that I normally <laughs> am not. Although it's really cool. A lot of the different farms around here um, will, they have these fancy signs that are put out by the state agricultural group, whatever, that have what grows in the fields oh cool um, and one of the things is red clover um because it helps like cycle the soil mm-hmm. and it helps give back nutrients and stuff and so it's really neat to like be driving by these big 
you know, fancy farms and just have a big sign that says exactly what it is, because I'm sure they get calls a lot. I, you know, a lot of times if you're driving through the countryside, you're like, because you can tell like, you know, those are orange trees because I see oranges or I know that is corn because I see corn. But I think like 80% of the time you're like, that is uh, 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 maybe wheat. That is... Right. Uh, that look at that green thing. That that's is a great green thing. It's canola. growing very well. <laughs> is that a form of a cabbage? So that's I wish more people would do that because you know then you'd learn. You'd be like, I can recognize that now. Exactly, and now I know all about red clover and why it's red clover and why it's there and what it does and and all of this stuff because I could Google red clover in Oregon fields or whatever it was that I googled to learn all this stuff, and now I can be really smart about the red clover. Yes, but knowledge. Knowledge is Yay. a very good thing. And there are always good things. You can share your good things, good news, and tiny joys with us at therearegoodthingspod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at podgoodthings. Our show notes are at therearegoodthings.com. See you next week. Bye. Bye.